1: Hi, everyone. This is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals podcast on the Be Here Now network. And I'm very excited today to have my guest, Stan Tatkin. Um, hi, Stan. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me.
1: It is a pleasure and an honor. And uh, First of all, I want to read your bio, and then I'm uh, okay. really excited to uh, dive into a couple of your books. I know you have more than these published, but there's two main books um, that I have that I'm really excited to explore with you. So, First of all, let me start out by, again, the bio, which is Dr. Stan Tatkin, Um P.S.Y.D. M.F.T. is a couple therapist known for his pioneering work in helping partners from happy, secure and long lasting relationships. His method called PACT, which is psychobiological approach to couple therapy draws, uh, thank you, <laughs> draws on principles of neuroscience and teaches patterns to become what he terms secure functioning together with his wife, Tracy, Bodelman Tatkin, Ph.D., Dr. Tatkin founded the PACT Institute to train psychotherapists and other professionals how to incorporate his method into their practices with couples. Therapists from all over the world are being trained in his breakthrough approach. Dr. Tatkin has a private practice in Calabasas, California, and is an assistant professor at the UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine, Department of Family Medicine. He is the author of several books, including the best-selling "Wired for Love" and "Wired for Dating," published by New, or New Harbinger. And those are the two books we'll be discussing today. Um. So, David or or, or Stan, I don't know. Why I just said David. Uh, my brother's Stan, name is David. May, wow. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. He's he's tuning into my mind somehow. My, be- my beloved brother. <laughs> well, hello, David. If he happens to listen. <laughs> I can channel. I can channel him. There you go. <laughs> well, Stan, for, again, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Um, and so what I wanted to start with was um, one of your – so like I mentioned, Wired for Love is one of your books. Wired for Dating is another, amongst others. Wired for Love came out first, so I figured we would start a bit there before moving into Wired for Dating. Um and, as you and I were speaking prior to this recording um I'm personally very interested uh in having this conversation because uh I was divorced a month or not a month a year and a half ago, Seems and like it yeah it really does <laughs> um and you know, just started dating again over the last couple of months, and uh boy, you know dating for me is it's it's a strange thing it's been a long time so um Anyway, so, I mean, in your book, you talk a lot about what's called secure functioning relationship, Um, and you even developed this Ten Commandments for a secure functioning relationship, and it sounds like something I could have used, you know, prior to (laughs) in my last marriage. Um, Can you tell me what secure functioning relationship is and why it is significant in relationships
2: so secure functioning basically means that two people or more but two people uh, decide that they are going to be fully collaborative cooperative uh, uh, fair just and sensitive in other words we expect two-person uh, systems to operate as a two-person psychological system based on those principles. Uh, if you consider a couple the smallest unit of a society, which, is, which if you think about it, uh, there is no smaller. Uh, uh, you know, a, a One person does not a society make. Right. So basically, this uh, these ideas of, uh, you know, basically coming from social contract theory, these ideas have been around for a long, long time. Mm. Uh, it is sort of the basis of what our constitution should be right. uh, and, and what religions have tried to do for, you know, over the millennia to try to control human behavior. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, we may not be around as a species. Right? Right, right. So so we we see people who are in secure functioning relationships all over the world, in all stripes of of life, whether they're on the street and homeless uh, or they're cop car partners or they're in the military. sure uh, uh, it's just basically people understanding that they
1: need each other in order to survive okay, and so can you talk a little about a little bit about these ten commandments?
2: Yeah, that's interesting cuz I didn't know I wrote the uh, 10 commandments. Um w- <laughs> what I did what I did write for a, a a compilation a book an edited book of couple experts um Jeffrey Zeig uh asked for uh everyone's 10 commandments. Uh and so I wrote mine and somehow that that got <laughs> put out there as my 10 commandments. <laughs> uh yeah, it's actually something I had to do on deadline, but I'm glad to say what it is. Sure. All uh, right. It it basically it has to do with if if you had your set of principles, I, I think of them as uh, shared principles of governance. You know, what, what do we believe in? What what do we point to in terms of our vision? We're two separate people, two separate minds. Uh, we, we want different things at different times. So how do we get along and how do we move together? Well, we agree on things that everybody would probably agree on if they thought about it long enough, like um, we put the relationship first. That might be an agreement. It might not be. But you and I would have to be sure that we are on the same page with that, because if I said We put our relationship first and you said we put my work first Mm. then we would have a a lot of trouble right so that would make sense and if that's true then we might have other principles like um, we tell each other everything we're fully transparent with each other and of course there has to be a challenge to that in terms of why is that a good idea for me and you so we're talking about principles here that, uh, fulfill a personal good and a mutual good. It has to be good for me and you, or it can't work. Right. Thou, thou shalt not kill. Cannot be, you know, if I feel like it, um, or, you know, Hey, look, uh, I've done so much better over the past few weeks. I only killed a few people that wouldn't work. Right. So we're talking about, uh, uh, You know what is as a couple what is your vision what is your constitution what is your ten commandments Uh, plaque worthy ideas that reign both of your behavior in Mm. because you both agree it's not a matter of uh this is what i want or this is what i think it should be we both drank the kool-aid on it and we both believe in it therefore breaking those principles would be uh, tantamount to saying to myself I'm not who
1: I say I am. Mm, gotcha. Which is, yeah, that's interesting. I, um, you know, I, I want to respect my ex's, um, you know, privacy. Um, but I, what I can say is, a lot of what you just said resonated with me, especially towards the end of uh, our marriage. So, um, yeah. again, <laughs> wish I had these books a few years ago. But uh, it's yeah. good. It's good to know now. You know that I'm moving on with my life. So, um, you know, and you also. A- Go ahead. Sorry.
2: I'm saying that's the thing you want to do. You, you know, it's, we often look for the person. Yeah. Um, and what we should be looking for is the relationship. Right. What's the relationship? What should it be? Um, yeah. Who is going to um, agree with me on what the uh, this kind of relationship should be? That's what you should be looking for.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's wonderfully said. And, you know, something else you talk about, which uh, I really appreciated, is rituals. And, you you know, you talk about how they're significant, um, which, yes, uh, it seems like it it should go without saying. But, um, you know, when I when I was reading that, I was thinking about a lot of the couples I know. And I can't say that I know that have many rituals. I think of my parents who um, are still together. They just celebrated their 40th anniversary. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's wonderful. I'm so happy because, you know, how rare that is these days. Um, Yeah. But like every Friday night, unless my dad is out of town for work, um, they have a date night. So, you know, like, I think that's really cool that they do that. But other than that, I was thinking about a lot of the other couples I know, and and they don't have these rituals. Um, So, you know, I was wondering if you could give some examples of what couples might do and explain why that's significant in a relationship. Well, for the the human primate,
2: one of the things we know is that separations and reunions are significant. Um, Sure. uh, And so, uh, you know, uh, reuniting after being away, um, coming into the house um, from outside to inside home, not home, that people can actually – avoid a lot of trouble, a lot of fights, if they simply reunite properly when coming home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is belly to belly, skin to skin. And in this instance, the game is I don't let go of you until I feel you fully relaxed. And you don't get uh, let go of me until I you feel that I fully relaxed. And then mm-hmm. we go about our business. Now, the reason for this it has to do with psychobiology, the study of the, uh, the brain and the body. Sure. When two people um, do this uh, in this manner, uh, what happens is that they average each other's nervous systems out. Um, if I'm very excited and revved up from outside, you're very calmed down from inside, we're just in different states. Right. Uh, uh, if we don't align a little bit, we will see the house differently. We will see everything differently because— sure this is really important, state drives memory, memory drives state, and state always alters perception. And so if we don't do this, we're liable to uh, crash into each other, and not only do, uh, do we not get along, but our things don't seem to get along with us, our children, our pets, and so on. So it's yeah. a little bit of time to do a lot, um, that's one ritual. The other is to put each other to bed at night, for children and adults, nighttime and morning are the two most vulnerable times. Uh, that's one. Uh, there's a signal to noise issue, right? The, the signal has now gone down. We're not talking we're not active, and all the noise, flotsam and jetsam, you know, begins to right. come up to the mind, and we're transitioning to unconsciousness. So. Uh, uh, people don't realize how this actually changes our sleep for the better, it helps our next day for the better, and how it is healthful uh, for us to do co-sleeping. Uh, and so, those are uh, at least, you know, two, three rituals that are that can make life much easier, can change the way people operate during the nighttime and during the day. Even if even if people ha- did not have any time during the day to spend much, to, uh, uh, you know, to be able to spend with each
1: other. Yeah, that's great. I absolutely love that. Um, you know, it's something else you talk about and I think this is, this might be one of the most important <laughs> parts of our conversation and, uh, at least, you know, speaking personally, but again, okay. uh, uh, knowing a lot of people I know and, and their relationships, you have an entire chapter in wired yeah. for love, uh, talking about fighting well. You know, yeah. it's devoted to how to have a good fight. And I mean it, it it seems almost obvious why it's important, but you know, I I I'll be totally transparent. I um in my earlier years and even, you know, in in my last marriage, there were points where there were not good fights. Luckily, we, we did grow together and learn to communicate yeah. better, and I'm very grateful for that. It obviously didn't save the marriage, but, um, you know, things did get better in many regards. But so can you give some tips about how to fight well? Sure. And let me just say something
2: about that. Yeah. What, much of what I write about and what I teach about isn't uh, about you or me or... Uh, you know, Bob or Carol, it mm. is everybody. Of course. Um, uh, uh, we, we don't really understand, m- most of us don't understand how the, the human mind works. Sure. And its fallibilities. So uh, one of the things that, that will happen when we break up, uh, and it's I think it, it's an important function, although it sucks, and mm. that is the feeling of regret you know i could have i should have why didn't i what went wrong what did i you know uh, uh and the 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 importance of regret is that it makes us learn uh mm. for the future we get wiser better at this yeah um um and it's still never perfect but we right. get better so i just wanted to say, say
1: no i appreciate having, that having,
2: Having also been divorced once before, yeah, and uh, and knowing what that's like, it's a it's, a, it's a, for many people, myself included, it was one of the worst experiences of my life.
1: Yes. Yeah. So,
2: um, so back to your question about fighting well. So, all people um, are going to, if you're a person, human being with another person, you're going to have conflict. There's no way around that. If um, if you claim that you have no conflict, then uh, we call that conflict avoidant. Mm. Um, which actually is quite threatening to people. But I, I won't get into that just yet. Sure. Fighting well means that, uh, that you know that uh, fighting exists, um, arguing exists. The question is, how friendly are you um, when you're fighting? How aware are you of your partner's face, body, voice, uh, changes? In other words, are you um, sitting face to face or are you at a distance or side to side? We know that Uh, You know, if you're going to get into anything that is very difficult, you want to be dead-on, face-to-face, at close proximity, Mm. eye-to-eye. That's the only way that we can adequately co-regulate each other. Otherwise, our brain is playing tricks on us and we're liable to escalate. So the big trick here, the big problem is in any kind of dispute, how to keep your partner from feeling threatened, because if your partner feels threatened, mm. you will become threatened. Um, that's how we operate. That's how we roll. The, these things happen, <clears throat> happen at lightning speeds. Uh, and have we have, a, uh, we have a, a brain that operates almost entirely according to memory. And it is lightning fast. This part of the brain that's memory-based, recognition-based, is so fast that we mostly don't know what we're doing or why. So the the thing we have to do is slow down, watch our partner like a hawk. We're looking for changes in the face, in the eyes, in the voice. And, uh, and we never want uh, either of us to get to a point where we begin to um, lose that capacity to think. And then we just go into fight and flight. And then it's game over. Mm. So this is everybody. It's not just this is this is not particular to anybody this is everybody sure so face to face eye to eye and uh, and both people have to th- uh, in some manner think in this way i have to take care of you at the same time i take care of myself yeah if i don't i get nothing mm-hmm. as soon as i start to uh, as soon as i start to argue only for myself i become a dangerous character yes and we'll square off and now we will fight and we will get nothing.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, what's, what I'm thinking about is uh, what I used to do. And again, I throw myself under the bus all the time on this show. So <laughs> I just, I use myself as an example. Um, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, prior to my marriage and and even during the early stages of it, something I struggled with deeply was shutting down. It was, you know if a disagreement started and then turned into like a full blown argument, um, I would try to hang in there, but after maybe five plus minutes, um, it was like, I just, I completely shut down and, you know, I, I, I couldn't even argue. It was, it was just there. I I was blank. There was nothing. And that's something I'm exceptionally grateful to my ex-wife for because she helped me learn to grow out of that. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, what, what happens? Cause I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that no, that's, that's happened. So what's happening when that, and, and, and I'm sure it's not just men, maybe, you know, it happens for women too, but it, in your experience, if, if you are care to speak to this, you know, what's going on there and what can people do to help begin to, to, to not shut down? And, and uh, I know you already started to cover this a bit yeah. in your previous answer, but um, you know, in that specific instance, um, you know, what what can people do to pull themselves out and and be there and be present? So here's how it works in, in a two person system like this. Yeah, uh,
2: it's different than friendships. It's different than any other relationship. This is the relationship, the love relationship that's most like the earliest one that we had with our mother or father. And uh, and so that's why it's difficult because it has a very, very long history to it. Uh, we become proxies for everybody who came before in every experience, so there are some people who um, who had to adapt in an environment where they uh, could not uh, stay engaged, mm-hmm. somebody bullied them, somebody shut them down. Uh, the relationships didn't come first in that family and uh, and so kids adapt to the environment they're born into and it may be that there's a feeling of, I will always lose. I cannot win. I cannot influence this person. Mm -hmm. And for many people who feel that way, their only option is to flee. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people freeze. They lock up. So the purpose of of an adult relationship is that we're in each other's care. And rather than you be responsible totally for unfreezing and not going away, um, you're in my care and therefore I should know you. Um, I should be a Chris whisperer. You should be a Stan whisperer hmm. and I should know how to get you out of that thing. So I should know, hold on, uh, wait a second, sweetheart. Stop. Don't back away. Stay with me. Hmm. Um, or I might say, am I doing that thing again? Am I making you, uh, am I coming on too strong or, or, or because this is a two person system where, where, we manage each other not ourselves it's the most efficient way to do it psychobiologically Mm -hmm. so that's one thing the other is that uh uh, that people lose sight of what they're engaging for what is the purpose what are you trying to achieve that's mutual not just for yourself right we're we're moving in tandem it's a it's like a three-legged potato sack race um, if one of us falls down, we both fall down. So we have to work together. Therefore, we, we pick one thing that we're trying to get to move forward on, and we, we commit to providing relief to one another. So it has to be win-win. Therefore, right. if you're backing out, I can say, hey, wait a second, we're not done. Let's get this finished, and let's go have lunch. I want you to get something out of this, too. I know that you are afraid that I'm going to blah, 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 blah. I right. understand that. But I'm afraid you're going to just drop this whole thing, and then and then uh, that'll make me very frustrated. So stay with me. Hmm. Um, uh, so in other words, we hold each other in. We get it done. Um, and we uh, are always uh, trying to create a win-win situation. that's that is what we consider complex social emotional intelligence. Uh, everybody uh, has their thing. Um, we remember being in these situations before and then we act and react very quickly. shoot first, ask questions later. right So, We get into this situation. You recognize this from memory. You start to remember how it feels. You start to show uh, and behave in a certain way that threatens me. I don't know what you're feeling, but I have a sense you're going to be trouble. And now I'm acting in a way I'm going to be trouble. Maybe I come on too strong and you withdraw. And now the games begin. Yeah. So this is human nature. This is the human condition. Right. And it takes two people to help. Both uh, people do what they're not good at to, to help the other.
1: Mm, very Does well. Make s- it makes perfect sense. And and that leads me back to what I was saying was, you know, I hold that gratitude for my towards my ex-wife because she was present for me in that way and uh, yeah. and helped, you know, pull me out. And and not to say that, you know, uh, every argument was perfect, but she did help teach me um to not completely shut down like that because of what you just described. So right. um yeah that was wonderful. I appreciate you breaking it down like that. Um I'm sure many listeners will benefit from hearing that. Um you know and something else I find super interesting that you talk about is y- you you say it's important for long-term and new couples alike to understand that dating is forever. Can you talk a bit about that?
2: Well, I, I think w- what I mean uh, about that is not uh, dating. It depends on how you think of dating, by the way. Sure, sure. Uh, if you think of dating as uh, having your, dreath, your teeth drilled um, or your, <laughs> you know, uh, needles in your eyes, then, of course, who, who wants that? Right. Or if you think of it, oh, this is just a one-time thing and I should never have to do it again, uh, that's another. I'm too old to do that. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not the dating type. All these things I think are n- not good ways of thinking about it. Um, dating could also be thought of as a, a, a way to build skill in loving people, in getting to know people, in learning about people, in sleuthing, um, uh, learning how to, uh, to read people, read their tells, uh, to Sherlock them. Uh, that is a very interesting, process and one that uh, usually leads to a real appreciation of other human beings so if you are going out and you're meeting people uh whether it's for a job or whether it's for a date or whether it's for whatever the same thing applies how um how do you pay attention how what do you look for how Mm -hmm. present are you are you in your own head are you worried about your own performance your appearance and if so um uh this would be a good practice ground to get out of that. It would be a good way, even if you never saw that person again, it would be a good way to how to learn about somebody very quickly. Mm. Uh, my wife and I love people. Uh, we like watching couples in the wild. We like getting to know people very quickly. Um, we probably in another life would have loved to have been spies you <laughs> know, uh, detectives, you know, we just, we love the observation and we love, we love the, the, you know, the, the information, sure, we can gain by just observation. So, uh, so it is, it is not about, um, uh, it, it just what we think it is. Uh, uh, you know, dating is, uh, is about meeting new people, being interested, um, being yourself and getting as much information as you can without looking obnoxious.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, very well said. <laughs> and that actually segues really nicely into something that you talk about. Um, and, you know, it's very applicable to me right now. And again, I'm sure many of our listeners, but you, you talk about how, you know, for people that are single and dating, Yeah, right here, check Mark, um, <laughs> you know, you, you, You debunk a number of common relationship myths. And I'm going to name a number of them. And, you know, sure. if, if there's just like one or two or three, however many, if you want to discuss them, I, I I think that'd be very beneficial for the audience. Sure. But let me name a few of them and then uh, I'll let you just take it wherever you want to go. Okay. Um, and, let me, and let me know if any of the myths uh, surprise you or disappoint you. OK, well, I, well the ones that uh-huh. I have listed, um, <laughs> I kind of relate to pretty much all of them. But okay. uh, so love is all you need to make a relationship succeed is one you have to love yourself before you can love someone else
2: yeah let's debunk let's go let's go one by one here
1: okay sure so Uh, let's do that
2: okay so uh so no uh nature uh does not care about long-term relationship people have to understand that nature cares about uh about procreation uh, survival of the species and mixing the gen- gene pool uh, That means that out in the wild human beings uh, mate um, for and they stay together for about four years to protect their offspring and then they move on or they die uh, and they mix up the gene pool with somebody else that's that's the way it is sure so enter our modern times where we live longer and we have different uh, 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 ideas about life. Um, long-term relationship isn't, about that groovy good feeling you have in the beginning that is being on drugs um, a long-term relationship is really uh, uh, either imposed by religion families uh, uh, money conditions all sorts of other conditions or it's uh, uh, an adult concept of secure functioning in other words sure. there is a radical loyalty to each partner uh, yeah, the loyalty the truthfulness, the, uh, the devotion to each other's well-being, safety, and security is what gives rise to, to a different kind of love that is sustaining. If that love is not there, the relationship won't be happy and uh, may or may not uh, last very long. There are certain rules by which relationships must follow. Otherwise, uh, uh, people will be unhappy They'll die sooner because the kind of stress that people experience in love relationships, if it is uh, too much, uh, is really toxic uh, to uh, to uh, every organ in the body. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we're talking here about mature love, um, and that is uh, something that is earned every day. Um, uh, that is earned every day because of what people do, how they act, what they're willing to give up for each other, what they're willing— Uh, to do for each other, uh, have each other's backs, protect each other in public and private, know each other, uh, be experts on each other. All of this stuff goes towards making those partners irreplaceable. Sure. But that takes a certain understanding. So love, no, is never enough.
1: Okay. And so then moving on to the next one. And this is one that um, I feel like it's just, I hear it all the time. Whether it's in spiritual circles or just, you know, wherever, to be honest, um, you have to love yourself before you can love someone else. Yeah. Um, yeah so tell me why. Like, I I, am very curious to hear your your take on that.
2: Well, let's just let's just take uh, let's just take an infant. Uh, when mm. an infant comes out, you say to the baby, uh, you know, baby, I'll love you as soon as you learn to love yourself. Um, come back to me when you do. OK. Um, Okay, that's not going to happen, right? Uh, Where does someone go before being in a relationship to learn to love themselves, if not in a relationship? We learn to love ourselves in relationships, not outside of them. We don't learn to love ourselves in a cave or in a book or a workshop. This is done constantly um, in, in each relationship. Our sense of self is constantly being formed and reshaped. With our relationships we are in many sense our relationships and so this idea of just taking a pause and work on yourself before you get one well how are you really working on yourself um i have known many many uh um uh, spiritually advanced uh people uh, one of which is uh, my teacher mm-hmm. uh, meditation teacher um and one thing i've observed across the board that Uh, People who lead aesthetic lives, you know where they're you know, they're they are uh, alone um, And they're doing meditation They're very good at this better than I want to be but as soon as they get into a real relationship They're back to the age. They were before they even started this thing Mm. Meaning there is nothing more difficult on this planet than another person nothing Mm. and if you're not practicing now, when are you going to be uh, we're hurt by people, and we're healed by people. It's nonsense, this idea that you got to learn to love yourself. I learned to love myself by loving another person very, very well. Mm. Um, self and other uh, is intertwined. Always will be, always has been intertwined. There is no, there is no difference between self and other in, uh, psychologically. Sure. Therefore, how we treat others and, uh, has a lot to do with how we feel about ourselves. They're in tandem. Yeah. The fact that we're in pain when we lose somebody is understandable. We want to grieve and we don't want to be in a relationship for a while, but that's different than I've got to pull myself out of here because, um, um, there's something wrong with me.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because that kind of mirrors something that I hear kind of off subject, but often, um, you need to be healed before you can help others heal. And you know, that's, that's something I hear quite often. And it's like, well, I don't believe there's any such thing as a fully healed person, you know, like (laughs) think about it. Right. Uh, Life is always going to hand us shit. Right. Yeah. So like in, in my books and in my workshops and and when I speak at conferences and whatnot, I'm totally transparent about my own fuck ups and how I'm still dealing with this or I'm failing in that way, but I'm showing up and I'm doing my best each day with the understanding that You know, my best one day is going to vary from day to day, but I'm trying and I'm making the effort. Um, So, yeah, when you hear that, it's like I get the point that you need to be taking care of yourself in whatever fashion, whether it's yoga or meditation or, you know, seeing a therapist or or whatever the case may be. But I find, you know, personally a lot of my healing comes from helping others heal yes. you know showing up and being of service karma yoga whatever you care to call it so um yeah i uh, i appreciate you, your your uh, take on you know having to love yourself before loving someone
2: else Many- Many, many times I'll I'll be doing uh, sessions with a couple and I'll recognize something that I am doing, uh, that I I didn't recognize before. And, uh, you know, as I'm helping them, I go home and then I apologize to my wife and daughter, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think as we teach and as we, uh, help others, uh, we're also actually healing ourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and so what you're saying is true. It's all about relationship. It's Mm. all about staying in relationship. Yeah. Um, we need to do that. And, uh, you know, one of the things I say a lot is all people are annoying. Um, (laughs) everyone's irritating. There is nobody who's not a pain in the ass. Sure. And there's no such thing as a low maintenance person up, up close. Mm -hmm. Um, everybody is going to be high maintenance soon. So, uh, so, we have a lot of nonsense in our culture, mostly coming from the idea the distinct Western idea of uh, the do it yourself person right. uh, self made person we uh, We have a problem here in our culture about um, uh, you know me, I uh, and mine mm. rather than uh, back to this idea of, of we yeah um, and that we are we characters uh, we are we animals. Um, we don't do well on our own. We don't do anything th- actually that well on our own. Yeah. do depend on other people. And we're in, in a culture still that, uh, that prays to the altar of autonomy, and it's causing problems. Mm. Uh, and you can see it everywhere. Uh, myself and a lot of other couple experts are you know, on a mission to try to change this language, but it's it's a long time coming
1: absolutely very well said you know there i guess well there's a number of other ones listed here there's one more i i would like to cover before we jump into wired for sure. dating because we're we're a little over the halfway mark here oh, um oh no 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 I, I i appreciate that we're going in depth on this because uh this is very important stuff um at least to me it is and again i'm I sure think so. to, i think it's important too <laughs> yeah it's your life's work i hope you do so um the 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 other point is uh and it kind of again it it echoes the previous one um but it it's a bit different and you talk about you have to learn to take care of yourself before you can start dating um i would love to hear a bit about that
2: well let me just say the absurd first sure if you um if you can't take care of yourself at all, hmm. then you're probably not on the street anyway you're right. probably in a hospital or in, in a jail of course so when when I say that uh, people take it should take it with a grain of salt. what I'm talking about here is that again our our ability to uh, be ourselves to take care of ourselves um has to be measured um, Uh, In terms of how we do that in a relationship, Mm. there are plenty of people that are able to take good care of themselves, but they can't do it in a relationship. Mm. There are plenty of people who can't, uh, who can be themselves or feel like they can be themselves, but they can't seem to do it in a relationship. Um, There are people who can't seem to uh, deal with abandonment. Um, in a relationship, but if they're not in any relationship, they're fine because obviously that's not being triggered. So, we could say the measure of our growth and our uh, our social emotional abilities um, are measured really being in a relationship that's committed, not outside of one. That's easier. The relationship is harder, and so it's a constant learning if you're with somebody who's willing uh, to. Uh, point in the same direction as you, has the same idea and vision as you, if you're both willing to do that, then the amount of growth that you both can gain can have uh, by working together is far greater than you could ever gain with a therapist who doesn't know you and can't possibly uh, recreate the the charge that is built into love relationships, Uh, again, because of what I said. the hardest so taking care of yourself in the relationship is the way to go getting out of it so you can take care of yourself doesn't make sense it's 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 defeatist um and it is basically saying to yourself i can't i can't do i can't do this i'm hopeless um there's no way that i can uh navigate this world and uh and still have what i think i have when i'm alone gotcha which is, which is an illusion
1: yeah yeah well that's well said and uh something i've been experiencing myself um you know a, a, you know being single again living by myself in an apartment um but you know i, I I actually got myself back into therapy a few months back um, because I realized, you know, I'm I'm still working through that process of, uh, you know, being divorced and um, and it's been very therapeutic, well, of course, therapeutic and cathartic and uh, very helpful. Um, But you know, it's what you said kind of echoes a lot of what my therapist has told me as well, and you know, it's that. First of all, you're never going to be perfect. So, you know, just toss that notion out of the window and it's okay while you're working on yourself to, you know, explore the dating realm. And not that I am a fan of dating, man, it's, it's so awkward. <laughs> I'm 39 and it's like, ugh. Oh, you know, like I said, it's been so long, but, um, it it is what it is. So anyways Start
2: learning how to read faces, it's fun.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm trying to have fun with it, yeah. but it's awkward and I'm introverted and weird and I don't know. But anyways, it's an experience and uh and uh we'll see what happens moving forward. But um so you so
2: you use your interviewing skills.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take that with me on my next date. Thank you for Abs- that.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That you, you, that you interview that you're curious about somebody that you want to know somebody that is gold yeah i mean uh i am not going to speak for the audience out there, but I'm sure, sure there are a lot of people who are, are you know, like would be yelling at the uh their their device right now um that who doesn't want somebody who wants to uh, show interest and ask questions uh introverted or not it has nothing to do with it so it's uh that in itself is a a, a lovely skill
1: yeah. Well, yeah. And, uh, and I think I've tried to do that, but I will focus more on it. I, yeah, you know, one thing I I've heard, you know, time and again is, you know, you want to show interest in the other person and yeah. of course, and, and actually I generally do. I, that's why I love doing this podcast is I'm just a curious human being. And I love talking to all sorts of different people, even though I do have that introverted part of myself. Um, I'm just a student of life, you know, and, uh, and I look at, Anyone I talk to, it doesn't matter who it is, as a teacher in one way or another. So, whether it's dating or a friend or a stranger uh, in line at a grocery store, you know, it's just, uh, as Ram Das would say, it's all grist for the mill. So, grist for the mill, yeah. yeah. So, let's talk a little bit about Wired for Dating. Um, first off, in in your experience, at least, what do you see as the main problem that people who are dating experience?
2: Well, things have changed quite a bit, so uh, you know, dating isn't the same as it was when I uh, was dating, and uh, because now we have all these apps, right? Right. And we have um, and we have online dating, and so the nature of dating has has uh, changed. It's no longer local. Uh, it used to be solely local, mm. the person down the street, um, the, the the person at school or in your job, right? And now um, uh, the Internet has changed all that. Yeah. Uh, it's also changed the way that people uh, act towards each other, sadly, I think, in some ways. And this is an, uh, to get into it, an it awful kind of thing. But when you have um, so many choices and so many ways of, of meeting somebody, uh, and so many reasons for doing that, um, then there's more chances, I think, for people to be injured, uh, to be hurt mm-hmm. emotionally. Uh, so there is there is that. But I, I think, um, again, that once upon a time, uh, dating wasn't so much dating as it was um, going out and having a good time with a friend uh, or somebody from school um, or going to a party. Uh, you know stuff that was sort of arranged for you. Yeah. Um, and so now it's a big, big McGill. All right. <laughs> the, the, um, the reason I wrote the book is not because I'm interested in dating. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in, uh, in people um, finding correct, appropriate partners so they don't end up in my office. Sure. Um, for marital therapy, and that again is, uh, is about. What are you looking for? Are you looking for a person with stats, um, makes a certain amount of money? Are you looking for a relationship? Do you have the vision to see what the relationship should be? Um, Fair, just, sensitive. We tell each other everything. We, mm-hmm. uh, I want a monogamous relationship, and this is the reason I want it. Um, I want us to, uh, to be in the foxhole together. Um, I want us to see each other as, uh, uh, as, you know, we're the bosses. We're at the head of the food chain, top of the food chain. We govern everybody. I want someone who sees it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't care how fucked up they are. As long as they're willing uh, to do this and able to do it, sign me up. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing, and people are very short-sighted. Um, about their choices of mate. Uh, and, uh, and by the time it comes to them that they may have made a mistake, they're already attached. And now they can, just can't, uh, quit that person. Right. And they're in for a lot of hurt. Um, so this is a, 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 a book about prevention.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, and that's so important. I was actually having a conversation the other day with a friend about how so many couples, and many of which I know um, are in long-term relationships whether they're married or not and you can just see that they are not happy borderline miserable in some cases yet it's more comfortable to be there because it's familiar than to get out of it you know because change you know we everybody or not everybody but most people fear change we don't want to change things and you know we'd rather sit in the discomfort because it's familiar um and and that's sad to me you know i that's why i appreciate the fact that my wife and i uh our ex-wife you know we we split up when we did because we knew it wasn't gonna work it wasn't a vicious or uh you know malicious uh split it was a parting of ways and uh and i'm grateful for that um right. but yeah it, it saddens me when i see people kind of caught you know, like like you said, and, and they're just stuck there. And and that actually leads me to something kind of along those lines. But um speaking of unhappy relationships, um another thing I see happen so much and this actually was something That happened for me in my younger years. And I I mean, I know my reason. Uh, I'm in recovery from drugs and alcohol. And so when I was younger and actively using, you know, I was a toxic person and like attracts like. So I was in these repetitive toxic relationships that never ended well, you know, and and that's unfortunate, but it was what it was many years ago. Um, But you do talk about and And aside from you know what I just said about addiction and recovery, just people in general, a lot of people continue to pick what you you would call the wrong partner. you know and, and you say the faces may change, but they're basically just like the person before. So you know, can you talk a little bit about why that happens and how someone can actually begin to break that cycle and find their way into healthier, relationships.
2: There's a, uh, a, a mistake out there in terms of idea that we marry our mothers and our fathers. And, and that's not true. Mm. What we do is we only pair bond with people, uh, with whom we recognize, mm. um, we don't pair bond with strangers never, ever. And so, uh, and so the chances of you picking somebody who's like the other partner you had, um, is extremely high, and it's not a problem. This is a mistake that people make. Um, it's not a problem. What is a problem is that you've, you're picking somebody who has not grown, has not does not see um, themselves, uh, is not prepared to do better, um, doesn't want to do what you're wanting to do, the kind of relationship you're wanting, and that comes from not vetting these partners with your peeps, not oh, yeah. having, uh, your friends and family, um, vet them for, you know what, sweetheart, this, this person isn't going to do it. This person is, uh, still at that stage, uh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, I, uh, I'm an alcoholic, let's say, and I pick another alcoholic. Does that mean I have a bad picker? No, it means that I've picked somebody who's familiar. I recognize, uh, and now the question is, do I, uh, you know, do I set straight with that person what is expected and if they want to do this or not, my way, our way? Um, and can I handle that person today? Uh, maybe that's not as good of an example of, uh, you know, I keep picking my father who was angry with me all the time and I still don't know how to deal with that experience of someone being angry. Okay? Is this somebody that I can do that with? Is this somebody that I must learn how to do that with Um, so we we get into trouble when we start to think oh you know we're 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 picking the same person over and over again we're picking people who are like that uh, make us feel a certain way but that's where uh, uh, this whole business uh, of you know who is this person what are they willing to do Um, uh, I I meet you and I tell you okay I don't want that in my life anymore. You say you don't want that in your life anymore. You have been sober. We're uh we're both on that road. We both have agreements about how we want to this relationship to go. Let's see how it goes. Um and and of course uh if you uh don't do this then you're fired. Um this is a kind of thing where again the emphasis is on the relationship and not the person. Mm. This is how the relationship should be. Um, I don't, I never want anyone to lie to me again, uh, betray me again. That's important. Uh, the other person says, I understand that's important to me too, but I'm also looking at you. And if I see any sign that you are not true blue, you're gone Mm. because this is the relationship I want. I want you, but not over. Are you willing to do this with me in the way that we both agreed is healthy? If not, you're out now. Just one thing about what you said, it's not laziness or comfort uh, uh, that people hold on to when they can't give uh, another person up. Mm. It is a real loss. Sure. Um, sure. we you know, we get attached. We don't want to lose anything. And even if the relationship is horrible, there's still that feeling of, of terrible loss. Mm. And people will do almost anything to avoid it, even, uh, even... Um, do something to ensure that their life will continue to be miserable Mm. because, um, I'd rather, I'd rather not lose anything than to lose my partner according to principles I believe in. Yeah. And that's again, the human condition.
1: And that's actually a wonderful point. Thank you for saying that because, you know, as you're saying it, I'm, I'm thinking back to some of my older relationships where I know I stayed in them much longer than I should have um, because of just that you know, the fear of experiencing that loss and that hurt and that pain. Um, so that certainly resonates for me and uh, I think is a wonderful point. So thank you for, uh for clarifying that.
2: Like uh, the song breaking up really is very hard to do
1: it. it true indeed. Yeah. So we're, and it should,
2: it should be by the way. Uh,
1: yeah. So, so uh, go into that a little bit. I, we have a few more minutes. Um. Why, why should it be?
2: Because it's part of our human nature to bond, to attach, to not give up, to hold on. Uh, if, if not, then we would have a, a, a different, um, Lineage in terms of our relationships and our ability to stay with children Mm -hmm. our ability to stay within communities right to give people more chances to um, To try better to be a better person if it was so easy to break up Then we would never be better people. We'd never learn anything Um, Nobody would be really safe Mm -hmm. Um, there would be no such thing as loyalty um, or uh, devotion, right? right? Why would there be any need for, Hey, I'm free of that. So that's really good. But then it's the wild West, uh, maybe worse than that. And, uh, uh, I don't think any of us want that. Right. Um, so there's a good reason for the stickiness of relationships. Mm. And that is because it's nature's glue that holds us together as people, as, uh, as, uh, uh you know, communities, as lovers, uh, and as parents, uh, and without that, we would uh, all be
1: sociopaths (laughs) (laughs) yeah we definitely don't want that (laughs) no we don't want that so like i said we have a few minutes left i mean there's a ton of other material we could cover but what i like to do usually is give my guest um the last few minutes if there's anything i didn't cover that you would like to share with the audience um you know about Literally anything, um, anything that didn't come up in this conversation that uh, you would like to leave them with. I would love to give you the opportunity to do that.
2: Sure. I, I think I'll I'll uh, I'll close with uh, uh, what I did with my TED talk. Mm. Um, and I'm saying it here because the only reason I did it is because I really believe it's important Um, the human. <laughs> the human condition is such that uh, that communication, and I mean uh, verbal communication, even on a good day, right. is, te- is terrible. Um, people have to understand that we are misunderstanding each other uh, much of the time, most of the time even, um, than we are understanding each other. It's incredibly fallible. And the, uh, the human brain, as I said, is memory-based. Uh, almost fully automatic. Every day we don't think that much. We uh, we operate by memory and automation. Therefore, we're making these huge, huge errors in our communication, in our hearing and seeing, and so on. All of that is a problem. Our memories are not what people think. Memory is not reliable never was, never will be, yet we cling to it as if our memory is the correct one. We fight over it as if uh, uh, my memory is worth dying for. Uh, um, And our state of mind, um, uh, whatever it is at any time, makes our perceptions, what we smell, hear, uh, see, feel, um, it ends up being like a a funhouse mirror. Mm. What we actually perceive is not what we think. We've never lived outside of our heads. We never will. And this is the hubris of the human being when getting into fights or when talking and claiming that their memory is correct or I told you so or um, no, it wasn't Saturday, it was Friday. Yeah. All these things that people get into that uh, that's part of the problem that humans have, um, part of the warring problem as well. Sure. And if people just understood this and gave each other a little bit of a break here.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, uh, The messiness of the human, the fallibility of the human mind, and the fact is we never really know what is actually true. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a game of perception, and if you uh, love your partner and you're secure functioning, the relationship is more important than being right. The relationship is more important than all of these things. That's a secure functioning relationship, one that lasts a lifetime. And one that we should be pushing for, uh, everywhere.
1: Well, I couldn't have asked for a better way to end this conversation. That was so beautifully stated, Um, Stan. I thank you so much for your time. This has been a real pleasure. I want to let you too, Chris. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to let our audience know that they can find more uh, out about you at stantatkin.com. That's S-T-A-N t a t k i n ncom uh for more information on Pact trainings and therapists they can go to the pact pact is spelled p-a-c-t um, you can find stan on facebook at facebook.com backslash dr stan tatkin um, also there's the uh all of these if you're listening to this on the be here now network website all of these links will be listed there is there any other links or anything else uh you wanted to Um, share
2: no just if if people will will check out my uh, the ted talk i think you'll like it so uh you can just you just look up uh tatkin ted and it'll take you right to it
1: beautiful Well, Stan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your work. Um, I'm really excited for the audience to hear this podcast because I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. I know it's helped me already, so um, Uh I'm, I'm deeply appreciative. Thank you, Stan. My pleasure. Take good care. You do the same.